eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their All right. Good. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, 2020, almost done time. Thank God time. Surely 2021 will be better, right? Time. It has to be time. Let's convince ourselves time. Let's speak it into existence time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Here on a Thursday afternoon. Of course, you could be listening to this on Thursday evening or I guess Friday, Saturday, Sunday, next couple days. Whatever time of day it is, whatever day it is, thanks for spending part of it with us here on the GoVols 24-7 podcast. Not just me on this edition of the GoVols 24-7 podcast. Normally, this this co-host would mean that we're kicking it over to the Govall's 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Maryville, but I don't think that's where he is today. I believe he is at Parts Unknown on the road. It's the one, the only, Grant Ramey, Govall's 24-7's basketball beat writer. Grant, what's going on, man? How about now? Hey, hey, there he is. What's up, What's up, man? I, I was trying to say it's like one of those, it's just one of those days between Christmas and New Year's where you don't know what day it is, what day of the week it is. It's, um, what you should really be doing at that point in the day. Um, it's, it's the lost days. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's sort of the, the lost days of a lost year, right? It's, uh, it's, it's new year's and, uh, how, how you doing today, Grant? Before we start talking Tennessee football and basketball and et cetera, how, how you doing today, buddy? Uh, I'm great. I'm always great. Oh. I live, I live one speed and that's great. <laughs> that's the biggest lie I think I've ever heard in my life. I do think uh, today, for what it's worth, I am sore. Uh, did a little yesterday. The, the the storm, the winter storm that we had last week, as beautiful as it was, it uh, it knocked down a couple of trees at my mother in law's house, and one of those trees knocked down uh, her part of her fence and a deck. And uh, so uh, I had to go over there, and we took some chainsaws, country boy style, and cleaned those up. And that was, I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of fun. I like doing that stuff, but. Uh, it works out muscles that you don't work out very often normally when you're, you know, doing like, you know, chainsawing and things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little sore today. I'm a little sore today. So sore that maybe I forgot to uh, put my phone on silent. But uh, other than that, it's all good. We're going to spend a lot of time discussing Tennessee basketball in this segment, uh, this segment, I guess in this entire episode, uh, the the the, uh, the the Vols who are ranked seventh now uh, probably will go up, I imagine, if they take care of business over the weekend. But the seventh ranked Vols open SEC play with a seventy three to fifty three win at twelfth ranked Missouri. This was supposed to be one of the toughest tougher games on Tennessee's SEC schedule, and uh, it was sort of a breeze. Uh, the Vols. Got up 23-4 to uh, in the first nine minutes. Got up by 28 points midway through the second half. And then kind of coasted on in and, uh, and and got a win. So we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Before that, though, just a couple of quick football-related news items. Uh, it's no secret now. Uh, there's, there's Tennessee players, and we've said this for a while. They were going to go into the portal. Uh, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, that, you got the one-time – 
transfer thing probably coming down the pike soon. You, you've got all kinds of things going on, but but I think this was one that might have gone into the the portal anyway. DeAndre Johnson, Tennessee's uh, leader in sacks the past couple of years, uh, a guy who's a pretty good player, maybe not a great player, but but certainly a pretty good player. And uh, I think people are reading this one wrong. I think he, for family reasons, really wants to go back closer to his South Florida home. Grant, I think there are guys who are in the portal for strictly playing time reasons or strictly looking for a new scene reasons. I don't think Johnson's one of those. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Tennessee players aren't leaving because some of them are unhappy. Obviously, that's why some of them are leaving. Uh, But I don't think Johnson's one of those cases. No, and I believe there's already been talk about him and Miami potentially uh, being a pair at some point uh, down the line. I can't remember who who reported that, where it was reported. Um, might have been in our own network yeah, uh, th- out th- of th- South Florida. Yeah, I think so. it might have been Andrew Ivins maybe. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense if, if he's trying to get closer to home. How much closer can you get than going to Miami? And I don't think you can – obviously, when players leave, it, it kind of paints a bad picture of a program and what's going on there. I think each situation is kind of – something different in its own right. I mean, if he wants to get closer to home, closer to home, I don't blame him. Obviously, Tennessee would need him. You need that kind of guy on your pass rush. But if he wants to get out, then he wants to get out. I don't think it speaks terribly about your program if there's other stuff going on there. I mean, JT Shrout, you know, he wanted a bigger opportunity. With Caden Salter coming in with Harrison Bailey, uh, the way they split reps over the last month, I don't blame him for going in the portal and going and finding a better opportunity uh, perhaps at Colorado where he announced his commitment to. So I think you kind of take each of these cases one by one and try to figure out what's going on instead of trying to paint one, you know, really nasty picture about what it might say about a program. Yeah, and I think I think there were, uh, without getting into details, I think there are specific family reasons that DeAndre Johnson wanted to go back home. Uh, I think he just he felt like he, his family needed him back there. Uh, and so I, I think that that needs to be so that's certainly something that I think anyone can can understand. Now, some people have said, would he have needed a, those family reasons if Tennessee had, had were, was ten and two or whatever, or nine and one last season? I don't know. Probably in this case, I think this case is one where he he had some family issues that needed to be addressed. The one that still surprises me um, was 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 uh, Austin Pope. That was one that that still surprised me. It surprised me when it happened. It's still surprising to me now. Uh, and I think we need to give credit where it's due to uh, someone else on the Tennessee beat, David Ubbin for The Athletic, who did get an interview with Pope after he left Tennessee. And Pope said some some pretty alarming things, not about the staff necessarily, um, but about some people, some players in the program saying that um, maybe they didn't take things as seriously as he wanted to. And I got to tell you, that made maybe that made Pope sense make a little more sense to me or his his reasons, but it it surprised me nonetheless. I just I, I I didn't see that necessarily being an issue because Pope praised the coaches. He just said some of the players on the team uh, had some issues, and that that was a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, but and even if you don't say that about the coaches, it goes back to the coaches because Agreed. this is your program. Agreed. This is your the responsibility to have the right players in the building to have the right. I mean, you're, you're, you're in year three now, uh, you're, you're building your culture. It's time to have some of that culture in place. And if, if there is someone saying that on the way out, somebody like Austin Pope, uh, yeah, that's, that's a troubling sign. That's something you have to correct. I mean, Tennessee basketball likes to talk so much about its culture and, and what it's built. And you can see that on the floor, the success they have, well, you can see a season falling apart on the football field like 2020 did. And when you connect dots with what Austin Pope said in that story from The Athletic, then, yeah, uh, it starts to make a little bit more sense. And that's something that you got to correct uh, as soon as possible yesterday to get that fixed because wins and losses are decided, you know, by inches on the field. Uh, that stuff is what helps decide it. If you don't have the right guys in the building, if you don't have everybody pulling in the same direction, that goes a long way towards deciding, you know, if you salvage a season or if you completely fall apart. And, and and that 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 bears out and that tracks for a couple reasons. I, I think one of them, Grant, is that every time this team, just about every time this team took a punch in the mouth this season, uh, that that was the game. It did not bounce back from that. And, and I wonder if that is part of the character stuff that that Pope is talking about. And and I also wonder this. And 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 I, it's not an excuse because things 
for one reason or another, everyone had to deal with COVID all year, and it's been an issue for everyone now. Even you look at college basketball now, it's still an issue. Things are different. They they just are. I wonder if this this year, which put probably more of an emphasis than ever on players doing work themselves, um, because you're you're not you know your team meetings are done virtually, so you're you're on Zoom like you and I are using to, to speak right now. I mean, we've got the podcast equipment in here. I've got the three other microphones set up for each of y'all. And, and, you know, I have to wipe them off every month or so because they're collecting dust because no one's using them. Uh, that That's just been the way of the world. And you have to do, during the summer, more workouts on your own. Uh, you just had to kind of be a self-starter. And, and I wonder if somewhere in that locker room, some guys just did not do their part. They didn't. They didn't do what they're supposed to do on their own. I wonder if that sort of set the tone in some ways for the way the season went for this team. And that's not an excuse. I'm saying maybe that's an explanation for why some things went wrong. Yeah, and you got X number of weeks to to start fixing that. Whether that's correcting that player specific player players attitudes or work ethics or you know whatever. Uh, or replacing those players. I mean, if there's a one-time transfer rule in place here and, and you have guys that you need to – you need certain areas of your locker room fixed, you better go out and fix it. You better go out and address it because the question that Tennessee's obviously going to have to answer here moving forward is, was 2020 a one-off disaster and a very unique situation that they did not handle well? Or is it something that bleeds over and carries over and turns 2021 into a, you know, a bad year is this snowball you know going downhill or is this something that can be corrected I think that's what you have to start answering right away because you got a lot of ground to make up after after everything that went wrong the last you know three four months yeah I'll tell you if I'm Jeremy Pruitt uh, I probably already know these players that Pope referenced in the story but uh, just to be safe if I'm Jeremy Pruitt I think I might be dialing Austin Pope right now and saying hey buddy how are you happy new year hope things are going well uh, hope, hope the hope you're healing better from the back stuff. Hope that's all good. By the way, who were you talking about in that story? Just 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 out of curiosity, uh, I, I'd want to know. If I'm Pruitt, I, I'm asking guys on the team. Listen, um, who do you think the problems were? Because you know you gotta. It, it, and and Pruitt said this before. Pope's a player he likes, a player he trusts, and and maybe. Maybe he can give him something from inside a locker room perspective that he, that he didn't get to see in a year like this because you had to be distanced from players as much as you could. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any bad ideas right now uh, for Tennessee football in terms of things like that. I think that, that you've probably got to be asking questions, you know, because I think coaches probably spent more or, or a lot less time than usual directly in front of the players this season. If I were them, I'd I'd be asking players that they trust. Hey, um, hey, where do we need where do we need to fix some things here? I I just I don't I don't think that's a bad idea right now. And I would hope Austin Pope would have this conversation with Jeremy Pruitt before he would have this conversation uh, with anybody else. With Agreed. Reporter, with any with Agreed. anybody outside of the uh, outside of the building, I'm not accusing Austin Pope one way or the other of how he handled his business. I just think that's what. I would want to do if I were in his shoes, I would say I'm entering the portal and, and here's why. These are these are the reasons. This is what I can't look past. This is what I can't, you know, coexist with, whatever. Um, that's just part of, you know, being an adult. So I would assume those conversations happen. And if they did happen, uh, Jeremy Pruitt and his staff is they, you know, they gotta get started on fixing this thing right now. And and for for people who are kind of on the portal watch and they're thinking that you know hey Tennessee normally starts classes again right after the new year, uh, that's not the case this season. Uh, you're going to have to unfortunately you're going to have to keep monitoring that portal and our news on the portal for a while uh, because I believe that uh, spring you know fall semester or spring semester classes I think they start on January twentieth this season or this year. Uh, because remember they they went home tennis Tennessee's students after Thanksgiving and this was a really smart move by UT after Thanksgiving break they finished the rest of the semester at home because they knew um, I think UT knew hey if those guys go home for Thanksgiving they're gonna hang out with all their friends you know there there's gonna be a lot more COVID going around we're not gonna be able to control it they're gonna come back and bring it to campus and it's gonna be an issue and and so they knew then to, to kind of break away, break apart then. And, and then, then they knew, okay, let's give things a couple weeks after the holidays before we get the guys, the kids back on campus. So maybe we can kind of 
you know, control things that way too, which is a smart move. Uh, but in, in practical terms for football, that means a couple of things. One, uh, that Tennessee, uh, that football, I guess, winter workouts will start a little bit later than normal, uh, and the students will – because the students will be on campus a little bit later than normal. I think they start – uh, on the 20th for classes, and the 22nd will be the start of winter workouts. So it uh, sounds like we're going to have to be monitoring this for a couple more weeks, Grant. And i got to tell you, I, I I still think we're going to see more names go in there. I just do. We need some kind of uh, graphic like Portal Watch 2021 or Portal Watch 20. I don't know what year you would put on there since we're kind of uh, in between the two. We we need some kind of graphic like the you know the, the news networks cover elections decision yeah, dun 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 yeah whatever they call it we need some we need some intro music uh, all that stuff let's let's get through this together it needs to be uh, it's like a, like a, maybe like a sci-fi sound to it or something like that uh, since we're talking about the portal I think that could work uh, but yeah I think we're gonna need to watch this for just a couple more weeks and uh, we've had a couple more stories lastly before we go to the break. Uh, saw an interesting interview uh, that Alante Taylor, you know, and I like to see this stuff too. Alante Taylor is from a small town. Uh, he was born in Winchester, Tennessee, raised, and then moved over to Manchester, Tennessee, down the road. Uh, and, and he, you know, uh, he's done this a couple times now where he's done interviews with his hometown radio station. And I love to see this because, you know, these kids, when they don't forget where they come from and don't forget where their roots are, I love it. And uh, he went home and did an interview with his hometown radio station, had some pretty interesting things to say. I think he was pretty candid about things that, uh, you know, reasons why the season didn't go the way they wanted it to go, some issues they had defensively on third down. Uh, some some issues that he had staying healthy this season, and he thought the conditioning issues uh, that came up from 2020 were, were an issue for them. I, I thought a lot of good things came out of that interview in terms of him being, I think, pretty candid about the reasons why he didn't have a the season he wanted and why the team didn't have the season it wanted. I thought there was some good stuff in there. And that's what people want. People just want a little bit of candor, a little bit of honesty of what went on, uh, not necessarily – coach speak or I guess player speak in this instance I mean people it's hard to connect the dots if you're not inside the building I mean there's not a lot of opportunities to you know speak with these players or these coaches and and try to get some honest truth out of them some honest words out of them about what went wrong uh, and why it went wrong Um, so yeah I I would you know tip of the cap for actually kind of trying to express yourself a little bit genuinely about what the struggles were and, and how you go about fixing them. And we got a lot more to discuss in the second segment, and we're about to get to that, and we're going to make things a little sunnier and talk a little um, talk a little Tennessee basketball because obviously things on that side are looking pretty darn good right now. Uh, but I will say this before we go to break. I, I think people think that, that there's just going to be a million players leaving the Tennessee program and, and, and none are, none are going to want to come in. I, I'm going to tell you right now that's not true. The portal door swings both ways, and I think there are players out there who will see the situation at Tennessee and say, yeah, that team sucked last year, but you know what? Um, there's still some talent there, and I can step in and start at an SEC program right away. And for guys who want to play in the SEC, for guys who want those NFL scouts looking at them you know, hard every single week, uh, Tennessee right now presents a pretty good opportunity in the SEC to do that. And, and I think you will see uh, some players, I think you'll see a quarterback. I don't know which one. There's a couple that they're looking at. I think you might see a, you'll see a quarterback in this uh, coming this way. And I think you'll also see some players coming this way. I think you'll see some guys who say, you know what, I can step in and play there. And I say this all the time to people, Grant, and they say, what about Tennessee is attractive right now? And my answer to that is simple, playing time. Playing time always is attractive. Yeah, you want an opportunity uh, on one of the biggest stages. Tennessee is obviously not one of the biggest stages right now in terms of national relevance, but just to play in the SEC, to have a meaningful job in this league, playing football in this league is huge. I mean, you're you're auditioning yourself for – the game at the next level. If you think you can play in the NFL, there's no better place to try to prove it uh, than the Southeastern Conference. So, yeah, that's what you have to sell is just such a big opportunity here. They're trying to fix something. They're trying to fix it quickly. Uh, and if you can be part of that, then you're going to have a huge opportunity to prove yourself uh, and to help this football program. Yeah, people say, why would I transfer to Tennessee when I could transfer to, like, an Alabama or, or 
Auburn or Georgia or well, I'll tell you why because you can start at Tennessee. That's why you do it. And if you go to those other places, you're probably not going to start unless you're really, 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 really good. So I think that's the reason. I think people need to sort of, you know, get over their frustrations from 2020 as tough as they have been and understand. Listen, there's still a reason people would want to be there, and it's playing time. And, and a, a good recruiter can sell anything. A good recruiter can sell how good you are when you're good, and he can sell playing time when you're bad. And that's just how it is. These guys still can recruit, and I think Tennessee is going to get some players coming in, and I think they're going to change the composition of this roster a little bit. I think they're going to make things interesting. But there's plenty more to monitor about that going forward. Um, but I think now we're going to go step away, pay some bills, listen to some product services, in-house ads, and other fun things, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk Tennessee basketball, which is a much more pleasant conversation right now. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon. Grant Ramey coming to us from Parts Unknown on the road, doing a little holiday travel safely. Safely, we know that, because Grant doesn't like people. So he, you know, like like me, you know, he will stay away from the crowds if possible. And uh, we're talking a little Tennessee football and basketball. Before we do that, though, I'm uh, going to remind everybody again, ask everybody again, please, guys. Uh, you know, we didn't ask for a Christmas gift here on, on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, but uh, we will ask for a New Year's present. And that New Year's present will be y'all taking a minute out of your day to go in there and rate and review this podcast. Mash that subscribe button uh, where, wherever you can cast a fine pod in the world, whether that is you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And we would really, really, really like if y'all could go in there and rate and review and hit that subscribe button. Uh, that helps us out so much. I, I see these numbers growing every month, every week. It's really, really fun to watch. Uh, we're growing this thing at a really rapid pace. We can make that even faster if y'all will go in there and hit that subscribe button and rate and review this podcast. That would help us out a lot. We would appreciate it. And as always, go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage on everything, everything with Tennessee Athletics. Pardon my voice there. That that It's basically this podcast, but more expansive and 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So go check that out, please. That would help us quite a bit. Grant, Tennessee basketball... Uh, went into SEC play on Wednesday night. The 7th-ranked Vols went on the road to face 12th-ranked Missouri, the only other SEC team ranked in the top 25 polls. And I got to tell you, I don't know if Mizzou is the second-best team in the SEC, but I know it's not the 10th-best team in the SEC, as it was predicted earlier this season. I think that's a good basketball team. Not a great team, but a good team. Uh, And Tennessee went there, first game on the road, against a tough team with a ton of veterans, maybe more experienced than any other team in the league. And they just put a wallop on them. 73-53, to did not even feel that close. Up 23 to four in the opening nine minutes, up 28 points midway through the second half, uh, and then kind of coasted, emptied the bench down the stretch. Were you a little bit surprised that it was it looked that easy for Tennessee on Wednesday night? Very surprised. I mean, I thought this Tennessee defense was elite. I thought this Tennessee de- this Tennessee team is very good, but we hadn't seen them away from home. We hadn't seen them against a 
team like Missouri that had some good wins already uh, away from home on a neutral floor at home. Um, I, I don't, if you're Tennessee, I don't really know how you draw it up any better to start as fast as they started to score 73 points and only attempt seven threes uh, to hold the opposing team, which had averaged 75 points a game to 53 points uh, in their own gym to start the second half the way they did. I mean, this team, the way it starts games and the way they start the second half Wednesday night at Missouri, when that happens, I don't know how you compete with them. I mean, Josiah Jordan James was really quiet Wednesday night. Keon Johnson was it was by far not the best game of his young career and yeah. Tennessee didn't even really miss those guys they just kind of took care of business they got answers from Fulkerson when they needed to Eve Ponds played probably the second best game of his career uh, the only one I can think of better is what he did at Kansas last season uh, in a loss and yeah Victor at, Bailey hit shots at, at Kentucky last year Ponds was really good too but, but 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 that but that, that but that was clearly one of the top five or so games of his career without question I think but I, I just don't know how it could have the night could have went any better for Tennessee, really, based on what happened on both ends of the floor. As efficient as they were offensively, as suffocating as they were defensively, um, I don't. I agree. I don't know if Missouri's the second best team in the league. I don't know if they're the twelfth best team in the country. I don't know where they fall in the pecking order at the top of the conference. Um, but there's a lot of average to maybe above average teams in the league, and Tennessee right now looks like an elite team uh, that should be the best team in this league if they continue at this trajectory obviously it's december 30th 31st who knows what it's going to look like in a couple of months but right now for the way they've started it's it's pretty incredible yeah i gotta tell you going into the season you know i, I was really high on this team and, and i think that you know i'm right maybe two percent of the time i think this may have been one of those two percent of the times i just i liked the way this team was put together i didn't see a lot of huge flaws on this team i thought maybe you know, a um, a perimeter. I mean, uh, sorry, a, a big man who could step out and shoot a little bit to extend defenses even more. I thought that might help them a little bit. Um, you know, you wondered how they do against zone when you know, when when teams went zone. Would they have enough kind of zone beaters there? You know, would they be able to to consistently do that and hit shots against that? There there were little things that you wondered about, but just the depth, the length, the athleticism, and the defense of this team. I just really liked it. And there were a couple others uh, in media, too. Uh, the one I think of off the top of my head is our, our good friend, uh, GFOP, good friend of the pod, Rob Doster. Uh, he's a guy who I, I think was pretty candid going into the season about how good he thought Tennessee was. But I think a lot of other people were, were on the fence, and, and I understand that because of, you know, last season they were, look, they were in the middle of, of the pack in the SEC last season. They were one of the better teams in the league probably down the stretch. Um, but overall – uh, they were just in that kind of an average team trying to stay afloat after Lamonte Turner went down. And uh, so I understand why people didn't, you know, people needed to see proof from Tennessee. Um, but now I don't know what else you need to see uh, because I, I think if you want to argue that Gonzaga and then Baylor are kind of on their own planet right now in college basketball and everyone else is behind them, I can't say that you're wrong. But you might be. I, I, I just I look at those teams. I mean, Gonzaga is a machine. You know, there, it, it's got a lot of future pros, a great system, good, great offense, great defense, a good two-way team like Tennessee is. Just, just a really complete basketball team with a great coach, and, and they run great stuff. You know, Baylor's a really exciting team, a ton of length on that team. You know, they, they do lots of, lots of good stuff. They play an exciting brand of basketball. They're, they're good. You know, they're, they're really, really good. Uh, but but when you look at what Tennessee's been asked to do, the first couple games of the season, Tennessee was kind of finding its footing, and it still beat two pretty good basketball teams. One good basketball team in Colorado, one in Cincinnati that I think could be pretty good. It's kind of erratic right now. Um, but those were two quality wins. And, and since then, Tennessee has just sort of dismantled everything put in front of it. And, and I think doing that on the road at Missouri against a pretty good team, I mean, it's not like it's going to be against Kansas here in a few weeks, but still, I mean, that, that's got to be an eye-opener for people, right? I think a lot of the national media really started paying attention to Tennessee last night. Yeah, and, and for good reason. I wouldn't, if I was looking down from a national perspective, wouldn't put a ton of stock in USC Upstate scores or sure. Tennessee Tech or Appalachian State, no offense to those programs, but that's – Tennessee won those games by probably a 
an amount that they probably should have won by, maybe a little bit more in some cases because of the way they uh, absolutely dismantled teams like they did last night at Missouri. But, you know, I think the longer this keeps up, the more we're going to keep saying, man, it would have been awesome if that Gonzaga game would have happened. Or, I mean, this team was supposed to open – you know, normal world at Wisconsin, uh, first night of the season. So, I mean, there would have been those huge, um, those huge tests where you, you know a lot more about this team at this point, if there was a little bit more of a normal schedule, that's not the case. And and right now, all they can do is play those teams that are in front of them. They added Colorado at the last minute, did some really good work to get that game scheduled. They added St. Joseph's and moved other games around to get that game on schedule, trying to do what they could. They had other opportunities to go play. And, and St. Joseph's, St. Joseph's pl- played some other really – St. Joseph's has played one of the toughest schedules in the country this season and has played right. most of those teams really, really tough. Tennessee's the only team that just really kind of punched the Hawks in the mouth and kept them there. Right, and, and Tennessee had opportunities to go play other games. I think Texas uh, – in the state of Texas, they had an opportunity to play a neutral site game. Maybe that would have been Gonzaga – because they ended up scheduling a game against Virginia that was in the state of Texas. They had opportunities in New York. Uh, I think it was against Villanova, possibly, at Madison Square Garden. It about was. the same time that Snowstorm was moving through. But Rick Barnes wanted to keep his teams. They already had those signed contracts in place for those buy games for those smaller programs. So they wanted to keep those games in place. Okay, you have to play the teams that are in front of you. That's their schedule. That's what they've done. And the longer this goes on, the more attention they'll get as long as they play this way the thing that you keep waiting for naturally is the the shoe to drop and for them to have some true adversity and for them to not play well uh you know if that's saturday against alabama if that's next week at texas a&m or whenever that happens how do they respond to some true adversity if they lose a game or if they're down late you know where do they get answers from what kind of team do they look like in that moment but right now all you can do is play the team that's in front of you and, and they're not only playing those teams they're running away from those teams and, and hammering them in most cases. Here's what makes me wonder about things like that, Grant, because I know that, that we've both covered college basketball long enough to know that no matter how good you are, listen, Indiana was the last team that went undefeated. That was a long, long time ago. You, no one goes undefeated. You're, you're going to lose some games here or there. That's just how it's going to be. Um, you know, you're going to have nights where, I mean, for instance, look at like, if you watch that Arkansas-Auburn game last night before Tennessee's game and you did not come away with the thought that either of those teams could beat Tennessee on any given day, you're crazy uh, because Arkansas will pull up and shoot from half court, basically. I mean, they'll, they'll shoot from wherever they want. I mean, they got a 7-3 guy out there chucking and ducking. I mean, they, they play fast and they throw the ball into the ocean from all over the place. If those guys are having a night where a bunch of threes fall, they can they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. Auburn, you know, scored enough points last night to win the basketball game, just gave up more than that, but still I think made something like something stupid, like 10 threes or something in the first half. I mean, you watch those teams play, and, you know, you think, hey, Pearl's given, you know, Barnes a lot of fits throughout the years. You say, hey, those 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 are tough games. You know, you, you see tough games. But last night, what, what kind of kept creeping into my mind, Grant, was, was that Tennessee – you know, you looked up in the second half, and Josiah Jordan-James had two points and had taken three shots. And, you know, he'd done his thing. You know, he played good defense. Uh, he had, you know, what whatever, about four rebounds, four assists, whatever it was. He, he, he was in the game that way, too. He was engaged the whole time. He just wasn't scoring. Keon Johnson had only six points, and he got most of those early. And, and he is kind of, the past couple games, kind of struggled to find his footing a little bit. He's kind of for a kid who's ridiculously talented, he's just kind of been figuring things out the past couple of games. You know, you you didn't have everybody clicking the whole time. You know, you missed some shots you probably should have made, had more turnovers than you'd like, especially in the first half. They can play a lot better, and yet they're winning the game comfortably. And I keep wondering, you know, when's adversity going to hit this team and what's that going to look like? And the only thing I can think of in my mind is a game where teams are hitting a bunch of contested threes, they get hot, and they just they can't miss. That's the only thing I can really think of other than an injury off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, you look at LSU, they have Cam yeah. Thomas there, yeah. five-star freshman. He scores, you know, 25 a night or something. I think he might lead the league in scoring right now. So, I mean, obviously it would be tough to defend 
somebody like that. But at the same time, you, you look at the way Missouri played a couple of weeks ago against Illinois when Illinois was coming off a really big win at Duke. And, and then that's a huge rivalry, Missouri and Illinois basketball. And for them to handle Illinois the way they did in that, that game, I think they had, you know, 13, 15 point lead, something like that. Uh, that made you wonder what would Tennessee look like against a team like Missouri after Tennessee hadn't really been tested a ton to this point in the schedule. And they go to Missouri and, and they handle their business. And like you said, Keon was kind of quiet. Josiah was kind of quiet. You know, when you have this kind of depth and, and people talked about this depth for weeks leading into this season, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to see it. When you have it, you don't have to have every single person up and down the roster show up and contribute. I mean, this time last year, if Josiah didn't play well, Tennessee didn't play well because they had to have a little bit of everything from everybody and had to have a lot of things go right every single night. This team, there's going to be games where Eve Pond goes away and you, you kind of wonder where he's been. There's going to be games where John Fulkerson gets in early foul trouble uh, and you wonder why he didn't play better. There's going to be games where Springer and Keon look like freshmen, even though they usually don't look like freshmen. I mean, you can go down the list. Especially Springer. He's just really, really smooth. Right. You, I mean, you go down – and, and – I mean, they put in Springer and Keon together last night uh, uh, right under the 17-minute mark, and they both had buckets in the first minute. I think Keon had two buckets in his yep. two or three first possessions, something like that. I mean, those are guys that can play the game, obviously, at this level. But they're going to be the nights where they're not there, and this Tennessee team might just be fine because they can rely on Santiago Viscovi or V.J. Bailey, or you can kind of just go down the list and, and name the guys that – they could get something from, and if they play defense at the rate they're playing, I mean, they've they've given up 60 or fewer points in six or seven games. It's, it's not hard for a basketball team with this many offensive options to get over 60 points, and it looks like right now the first one to 61 points is probably going to win, and you like Tennessee's chances because they have so many options. Yeah, that that's, that's sort of where I was going with that is that you know – Tennessee, in most games, will hold the opponent below 60 points. I mean, statistically, that's not a fluke. Uh, statistically, uh, there are a few defenses right now, Texas Tech, Clemson, Tennessee, uh, that are, I, I think, pretty clearly the best defensive teams in college basketball. I mean, statistically, they're fantastic. And it, it's not a fluke at this point. And if, if you're playing money ball, if you're playing numbers ball here, uh, if you look at you just need to score 60-plus points to, to win most games, you can very, very you, you could very, very easily find sixty points in a game where even half of your roster is struggling offensively when you have this many options. I think it was Pat Bradley after the game on SEC Network saying that the thing that makes Tennessee in his mind so so dangerous is that it has a bunch of guys who don't need to score at a high level, but absolutely can score at a high level. He said they've got, you know, probably eight guys on that roster who could pop up and score twenty points in a game. And I think that's the truth. I mean, I think, you know, last night what I kept thinking is that as you, as you were watching that game, and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't escape this thought in my mind, you know, there have been times in the past where we looked at Alabama football and looked at other people in the league and said, you know what, how many, how many guys do they have who would start or play for Alabama? And in Tennessee's case the past few years, it's not been that many guys. And I was thinking last night watching Missouri play Tennessee – how many of those guys in Missouri's rotation would, without question, be in Tennessee's rotation? And maybe, maybe one or two, maybe. I mean, and, and that's a good basketball team. I mean, am I crazy in thinking that? I mean, I, I just I don't know that when you look at Missouri, I mean, they got, you know, Mark Smith, Drew Smith. They've got some good players. Tillman's a guy who could probably play some minutes for Tennessee. Um, but none of those guys would be central players for this Tennessee team, would they? No, and it's a credit to how this roster has been built and how it's mixed veteran guys, young guys, um, transfers, you know, experience, and, you know, kind of all this different stuff and, and guys that can do different things. I mean, Josiah might be quiet scoring-wise on a night like Wednesday night, but he's going to have assists. He's going to have blocks, steals, rebounds. He's going to do a little bit of everything. They have a lot of guys like that. Eve Ponds, he had a really busy stat line. Santi affects the game in other ways than just scoring. Uh, you can go down the list. It's a, you know, the depth is there. It's it's as advertised. And and what surprised me probably more than anything is how locked in this team is and how good it is from the start, at least for most of the games we've seen. I mean, I was trying to dig up a stat last night after the game. They started against Colorado 
uh, on a 17-2 run. They started against App State on a 16-1 run. They got out on Tennessee Tech 23-9. They got out on St. Joe's 20-4. They got out on Missouri 23-4 Wednesday night. Then they started the second half 23-8. I mean, when you when you get up by that advantage and you play defense the way this team plays defense and you have the offensive options, uh, depth, and the versatility on the offensive end and can play as efficiently on the offensive end as they showed Wednesday night, I don't know how you come back from that kind of deficit. I mean, there were, there were stretches – Wednesday night at Missouri where it looked like Tennessee was getting a little bit of sloppy. It wasn't their best basketball. And all Missouri could do was get back within 12 points or 13 points or something like that. And then Tennessee would stretch it back out to 15, 17, whatever. I mean, that's just kind of feels like where this team is operating right now because of, you know, the amount of talent they have that you mentioned. And I guess before we step out of here, we'll, we'll take a quick look at, at Saturday's game against Alabama, the, the tide rolling in. Uh, which obviously is the biggest game. I think we can all agree the biggest game in Alabama athletics this week, right? For sure. What else is going on? Well, nothing Nothing else. Bama's not doing anything else this week in any other sports. It's just all basketball all the time down there in Tuscaloosa. And the Tide are rolling in. Uh, they will be, I believe, 6-3 and three, uh, heading into this game against Tennessee. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I said this when Alabama hired Nate Oates. I really, really like that hire, and I really, really like it now. I think the dude is a good basketball coach. I loved watching his Buffalo teams play. They, they play fast. They play fearless. They're physical. I think he's going to do some good things down there. And they've recruited. Um, they've recruited really well. They got a really nice class coming in. They've got a guy who. You know, either Alabama or Tennessee has the best point guard in the country coming in next season, depending on who you ask. But but they're both bringing in just freaks uh, at, at point guard. And I think this Alabama team, um, there's a couple names on here that you're going to remember. You know, John Petty is playing in his 13th year with Alabama this season. Um, you know, uh, Alex Reese is playing in his ninth year with Alabama this season. Herbert Jones is playing in his, like, seventh year with Alabama. Those are three names that 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 you know really well if you're an SEC basketball fan. These guys have been around forever. Um, but John Petty is the fourth leading scorer on this team right now. Uh, now he he's they got four guys who average double figures, twelve or more a game, and he's one of them. So, you know, their their leading scorer, Jaden Shackelford, thirteen point four a game. Uh, Javon Quinterly at uh, let me look here 13.1 a game and then Jones and Petty score 12.1 a game also so this Alabama team it's uh, there are times where I've looked at this team I've watched them play a few times this year and I've thought you know they're pretty good they they give you a fight and then there's other games where I say oh they're they're just they're not quite not quite there yet Uh, the the loss to Stanford uh, in Maui was, was a tough one that that did not look good um, but they beat up on a pretty decent Providence team, I think. Providence, the, the same Providence team that beat the crud out of Baylor on, on Wednesday night. Uh, beat UNLV, lost to Clemson, which is one of the best defenses in college basketball. Lost that game 64-56. to 56. Uh, Then beat a pretty darn good Furman team 83-80 to 80, and had to come from behind to do that. Furman's the real deal. Uh, then lost a close one to Western Kentucky. Then beat up on Jason Shea and East Tennessee State. And then open SEC play with an 82-64 win over Ole Miss on Tuesday. So I think this is a team that um, – this is a team, a game that I think Tennessee should take care of business in. But when I look at those Alabama guards, you know, if those guys are hitting shots, it could be a tough game. I, I, if you ask me the last 10 games between Tennessee and Alabama, what the record was uh, between the two teams, I wouldn't have a clue, but I could tell you how annoying Alabama – basketball has to be for Tennessee basketball at this point it feels like a thorn kind of in their side obviously going down to Tuscaloosa has not been fun a lot in recent years for Tennessee yep you know aside from what they did in the second half there last year with with John Fulkerson kind of that might have been the game where he kind of first started to show what he was going to be down the stretch and and but the games they've had over the years I mean there was a game even when Tennessee what won 31 games in 1819 didn't they go down to Tuscaloosa and lose yep but 25 or something crazy and Rick that, ended up that was the angriest i've ever seen rick barnes <laughs> ended up benching most of his stars i think i have the right season uh on that but i mean regardless this is a game grant was grant was, was that the night where we where, where you came up with the phrase hickory mad that rick was hickory mad uh it, it's possible i've been known to turn a stupid phrase or two <laughs> but i mean this is a home game you know it's your sec home opener you're just coming off a huge win at missouri 
you're playing against a team, obviously, like you said, Nate Oates, really good basketball coach. He's going to have a really good basketball program wherever he is just based on his track record. I think he's built something pretty quickly there at Alabama that's not going to be fun to play, not in a night out in the SEC. Uh, so it's it's a really good test to see, you know, does this Tennessee team come out and start the way it started the last few games? Do they handle their business the way they've shown that they can handle their business? Because this is a team traditionally that's given Tennessee problems, but obviously these are two new basketball teams, two, you know, different coaches, whatever. It's, it's not a traditional – you know, this isn't a long-standing rivalry between these two coaches or anything. This is something that can Tennessee take care of its business and show that whatever, you know, is being written about this team is true, that they're elite. If so, they come out and, and they take care of stuff in a game like this because it's it's a game where you could easily let down, like you said, and let those veterans uh, get going early and, and have a good game. But Tennessee has shown they don't let people get going early, and uh, I would be surprised if that doesn't continue. But, you know, tune in Saturday. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to bring up, Grant, before we step out of here, is that I, I and I wrote, I wrote this in my column from Wednesday's game, but I I hope people aren't getting spoiled by the by the 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 sorts of culture things this Tennessee basketball team does. Like last night, again, showed at least two or three examples of things that you just don't see very often. There was a point where. They were up by 30 points in uh, – or I thought – I kept saying 30. It was more like 28 because, like as you reminded me, last night it never got to 30 because I can't do math for crap. But uh, Tennessee was up by a lot, you know, let's say more than two dozen. And Eve Pons took a charge. And when he took a charge, all four teammates ran over to him immediately, and all four of them helped him up at the same time. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Do you ever remember ever seeing anything like that? Normally it's one or two guys. No, but I mean, I mean, it makes sense with what they talk about in this program, how they've recruited it. I mean, that 18-19 team, the 17-18 team, they had a ton of success. They had a lot of very similar personalities where they didn't care who got the credit. They just wanted to win basketball games. I don't think that's some feel-good phrase that's just thrown out there. I think that's how this team operates. I think they just want to win basketball games. I think they want to be elite defensively they want to be efficient offensively to support what they do on the defensive end and they want to win basketball games by as many points as they can win basketball games they want to take charges they don't care what the score is Josiah is gonna die for a loose ball and, and go crashing into the, the the basket I mean stuff like that's gonna happen uh, because it just seems like that's what the culture of this basketball team is and what this basketball program is and it's a credit to this coaching staff for finding all the right pieces mixing the talent with the personality with the you know, the, the work ethic, the, the traits on and off the floor that you got to put a pretty intricate puzzle together, and they've done it really well. Yeah, and that you were mentioning that Josiah won against USC Upstate. You know, I, I was – that that's the one game, maybe the only game all season where you weren't able to be there, and I, I took your place there for, for the one spot that we get in the arena because it's, it's, really, it's really interesting this season. There's only, I think, 10 or so people uh, who get into – uh, a game this year to cover Tennessee, and there's only like two or three outlets who get one guaranteed spot every game, and we're one of them, which is nice. But, you know, bottom line is I was under sort of under that basket and did not see – I knew that Josiah, I could hear the sound that he hit that – he hit he hit the deck pretty hard. But watching on replay how hard he slammed under the basket, man, that had to not feel good. Um, they were just crushing USC Upstate at the time. So that was interesting to me. Uh, but then you also saw that last night where you had, uh, I believe it was in the final three minutes of the game, uh, you had Keon Johnson out there with four guys who don't play very much. Uh, they were obviously, and these were guys like, you know, Kumwa Gaines, Plavsic, you know, Pember, those kinds of guys. They're trying to get them going a little bit, get them some minutes, get them, you know, get them out there when they can. And they had Keon Johnson out there with those guys. And that's a five-star prospect. That's a guy who's projected as a lottery pick. He doesn't have to be taking that seriously then. There's no rule saying he has to. And he's try- And he dove into the stands to try to keep a ball in play when they're up by, like, 25 points in the final couple minutes. And I'm thinking, like, I love to see that, but, I mean, you just – don't get spoiled by this stuff, guys. You don't see this very often. Jaden Springer also went flying into the stands really impressively uh, to keep a ball in play uh, for a steal earlier in the game. And and I hope people don't get spoiled by this stuff because it's not stuff that you see every team do every season. This is a really unusual thing, and it's a culture that they've built there that is just really impressive. I, I don't want to put them on some pedestal 
and, and say that they're never going to lose and this is basketball utopia and, and all this. I, I, we got to keep it grounded here. But I hope people keep appreciating this because I just it's just not a thing you see very often. It really isn't. No, and you would expect it the more success they have to only grow and continue and, and, and continue to happen more and more because uh, if it's working, they're going to continue to do it. So if, if they keep having this kind of success, it's, it's going to be a fun team to watch and a, a team that's easily appreciated for the way they approach the game and play the game. Grant, I don't know why I'm asking you this before we get out of here, but do you have anything else? No, I just realized I've been sitting in a parking lot in a parked car, and you know that thing where you just kind of instinctively shake your leg back and forth? Yeah. I've been doing I've been doing that, and I just noticed the car has kind of been also rocking back and forth a little bit, so i got to get out of here before the cops show up. They don't, they, who knows what they think I'm doing in here. When Ramey's car's a, a, a knocking or, or a rocking, don't come a knocking. Especially if it's been rocking for an hour. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it, buddy. See ya. And you know what, guys? Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spending part of your new year with us, your New Year's Eve. And I know that it's a different New Year's and we're going to be staying home, and, and that's just how it is. But uh, you know what, guys? Think about it this way. In just a few hours from now, 2020 will be over. Now, there's a thought we can all get behind. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And if you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, which is not just all vols all the time, but mostly vols. And uh, that's updated throughout the day, almost every single hour throughout the day, all the time, tons of news. All kinds of good stuff there. But the best place to go, that that East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water, just right from the tap, that Smoky Mountain goodness. Go get that at GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, where those guys are doing a great job under Vitello, just signed another great class uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, you can also get Lady Vols coverage, award-winning Lady Vols coverage from our own Maria Cornelius, who does a great job covering Lady Vols basketball, softball, and everything else. Also got a couple of forums that are open 24-7, as the name suggests. We've got the... We've got the checkerboard, and we've got the summit there for for discussion of men's and women's sports. Also, off-topic stuff on that board. As long as it's not political or religious in nature, we are all about it. It's a water cooler, a digital water cooler, a a place for everyone to congregate in this really, really crummy environment that we're in right now and to to discuss things, the good things, the bad things. A lot of people on the board have had to deal with COVID stuff, and we've kind of been there for them throughout the process. All kinds of good stuff going on there. And if you miss conversation around the water cooler with Tennessee fans, you can still have that at GoVols247.com. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. I bet all of you spend less, you know, to get any meal or spend more to get any meal than you would to get this coverage every single month. And it's less than that if you pay annually. And if you pay us full price already, you get access to CBS All Access for free, which is more than $100 of an annual value in your pocket, no questions asked. Just no questions asked. Just here's here's the thing, click the link, and there you go. You get CBS's streaming platform for free, which is everything in the CBS network. Uh, every, every show ever made, commercial free, new movies in and out every month, live sports, including Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff, NFL stuff, obviously, uh, March Madness, NCAA Tournament, all of that. Plus stuff from Smithsonian Channel, for Nick, from Nickelodeon, from MTV, from BET, and from Comedy Central. All that for that. So it's, it's a really, really good deal, guys. Go take advantage of that. If you don't hear from us before then, you should hear from us sometime over the weekend or by Monday at the latest. We'll be talking Tennessee football, basketball, and everything else. Until then, wear your freaking masks Keep your freaking distance from each other. Be freaking nice to each other. Let's get through this. We'll see you soon. See you.